Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Sport podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport. Welcome to the Broadcast Sport podcast. Um, I'm reporter Max Miller and today I'm talking to Sophie Hind, who's the MD of VoiceWorks Sports, who do a lot of interesting things with podcasts uh, for rights holders and plenty of others. Um, so welcome, Sophie, and can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you very much, Max. Yes, so I'm the MD of VoiceWorks Sport, and I think the best way to describe what we do is we're sport audio experts. So we have a, a bold vision to reach and inspire every sports fan in the world using audio, and we work with rights holders, global governing bodies, events, but also brands and sport agencies that want to connect with sport audiences. Okay, and when did um, VoiceWorks Sport get started up and what its aims were and where do you, where you hope to go? I started the business about three years ago. So my background is TV and radio. And I think anyone that's worked in radio falls in love with audio. And I saw this huge opportunity with the explosion in podcast listening, but also what was happening with voice technology at the time. And that I found really fascinating that there were these new channels, you know, that could deliver audio but also the behavioural shift, in particularly in the younger generation, of using voice to access information. So I saw a really nice synergy. So we launched VoiceWorks. We want to be you know, the go-to supplier globally for anybody that needs a sport audio strategy. So we're not just producers of content. We also advise um, our clients on you know, what they should do, how they should integrate audio with their current strategies and advise on the crucial things like discoverability, because it's all very well having amazing content, but you need to get ears on it. Uh, but also uh, how to commercialise that content as well, because I firmly believe that audio is an untapped rights channel in itself. How do those relationships begin? Have you been going to them and saying, this is what we can do for you? Or have they found you and thought, you, know, you can work with us? A lot of it has been built through relationships and referrals and we've been really lucky through our network um you know I've had some amazing introductions um unofficial partner are amazing at that and they do some great networking events uh, but we've also had quite a few uh approach us because we've done sporting events so we've either been on panels or on stage uh, or talking on podcasts like yours uh, about the opportunity so I've had we've had quite a few direct approaches as well okay and when people come to you what are they asking for sometimes they'll come to us with a specific brief and the easiest to understand product at the moment is definitely a podcast so some will come knowing that's what they want to do uh, but often when we're talking to some of the bigger rights holders and events um, they, they're interested in audio but they're unclear where it will fit into their strategy or where to start so or, or they've tried audio a couple of years ago, they might have launched a podcast as a bit of a side project that was just given to someone in the content team, and then they haven't really put enough focus behind that. So I think the main priority with pretty much all the rights holders that we've been talking to is audience and fan engagement. So reaching global markets, reaching fans around the world um, in a new way, but also, you know, that they're less interested actually in the revenue generating opportunities at the moment. But, you know, that is a huge benefit that they can they can take from audio as well. Is there a difference between maybe a, a larger rights holder is kind of more 
a larger kind of a tier one to two they're looking more engagement and then a smaller rights holder is maybe thinking more in terms of revenue and another option in that side very much so yeah so the larger the larger organizations definitely it's about fan engagement it's about innovation as well and trying new things so you know we don't just create podcasts we create short form audio we create voice technology solutions we can put audio on their apps their websites in stadia um so with the big ones yeah it's definitely about the audience whereas with a lot of the smaller ones they may not have the budget to develop the audio so we'll often work with them either with their existing commercial partners so it might be a branded content piece or we actually have a commercial team so we can even find the partner to fund it for them when working with a rights holder is there sometimes an issue with them wanting to kind of sanitize the content or make it a bit too friendly in a way which then doesn't help with fan engagement because they're not as interested it's not as authentic a product the, the most important thing that we have to get right from the start is you know who who are we targeting and why and linking it to their overall marketing and communication strategy and then out of that our team will come up with concepts and ideas and i think the, you know the thing i've learned over the years having worked in in TV and radio is they're very, very different mediums. Video is very different to audio and hence, you know, that's what we specialize in. That's what we do. And sometimes, yeah, you will be faced with a client who wants to do something that we won't necessarily think is going to work in an audio format, but you know, that's our job to push back and say that what I would say, you know, referring to your previous point, sometimes they're fearful of doing something that is too bland and too sanitized. So I think, when a lot of football clubs, for example, think of a podcast, they think they need to do post-match analysis or discussing, you know, the manager or the team's performance. And they don't want to go there because they have to give a very kind of on the fence view. So we don't tend to advocate that type of content. The type of content that fans really, really want is that behind the scenes stuff that you don't get on other channels or other media, although, you know, a lot of the big clubs are doing it on video now, but you only have to think about what Netflix and Amazon have done for video with, you know, Drive to Survive or the documentary about PSG. That's the kind of stuff that gets the audience and gets fans really excited. So through audio, we can do that. We can do the the player stories or if there's player access on a particular media day, we can ask the interesting questions and you know, what music are they into? So building those kind of stories or talking to the performance coach or the groundsman or anything and everything that takes you inside an event or a club and, and you know, you're smiling. That's the kind of stuff that real fans want to know. They're not that interested in the match analysis. They can get that from multiple other sources. You know, when we scope out a project, we have very clear um, agreements in terms of what kind of accessibility we might get to you know, players or staff or indeed fans. And we've done some you know, nice grassroots stuff in, in the build up to events and volunteers. So, so we'll just scope out what we need. But often, you know, if it's an event based thing, then you're kind of added to the media roster and, um, you know, you get your own time and, you know, time to record with those athletes so we did something recently with Euroleague basketball for the final four which was a, a brilliant project but until you know a couple of weeks before you don't know who the final four teams are going to be and it was a fantastic project for us because we ended up having to do three languages uh with two Spanish teams uh, a Greek and a Turkish team 
And so, you know, getting our um, our producers on site or access on the media days and making sure you're somewhere where you can get great audio. And sometimes you want that kind of courtside background noise and sometimes you want to be in a, in a proper media room so you can really get a quality interview. I'm guessing in that situation, you've kind of got the player going through talking to you and they're doing something for video then they're doing something maybe specifically for social or something like that. So how do you balance it alongside all those other aspects, making sure that you're not just doing the same version of same thing okay. in three different versions, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's, that's part of the relationship you have to build with the, the rights holder. And often we're working with the content and digital teams, as well as the marketing teams, as well as the commercial teams. So really being let into their strategy and adding the audio strategy to that and understanding what they're trying to achieve in other media. But, you know, generally we advocate audio trying to do a different job because there's a huge difference between somebody watching a a one minute or three minute video and, you know, a lot of videos measured on a kind of six second dwell time and somebody listening to a 30 or 40 minute piece of audio, you know, with podcasts, the the listen through rates about 75%. So, we're trying to create something quite different, which is that in-ear, very intimate kind of one-to-one conversational piece. Um, so I think it's it's delivering something different and it's delivering it in different channels, but it's also, it's very valuable um, in, in other markets where, you know, in countries where data can be really expensive, lots of fans won't be watching or downloading video, but they will listen to audio because it's easier and cheaper. When it's more looking for revenue and looking in that side of things, do you approach the creative process differently or is it kind of the same product but different aims? It's generally the same product, but you know we normally know very early on whether the play is just a, an audio, uh, sorry, an audience engagement piece or whether it's you know working with a commercial partner to help integrate them. Um, but generally, you know, a lot of our team are from a radio background, a commercial radio background. They're really used to kind of integrating brands into podcasts, but you can't you can't compromise the content because of the brand. So they have to really, really work together. So we tend to start in the same place, which is what's the overall objective? What's the comms and marketing strategy? Who are we talking to? Why should they listen? You know, what's going to be good for the audience? So you know, if you start with the audience first and work back, um, then you end up with a much better product. Is it different um, for, say, a competition like the EuroLeague you mentioned, or if you're working for a club? Yeah, it can be very different. And again, it, it will it will depend on their objectives. So, for example, um, we're working with one of the Premier League football clubs and the types of fans that go to the stadium week in, week out and can afford a season ticket or tend to engage with a lot of their traditional channels based on what they've told us is a kind of 40 plus audience actually. And, you know, they're very keen to attract a younger audience through their audio strategy. So that's where we're pitching it. So we're, we're thinking about where those listeners are, what are they interested in, in, and taking a very different editorial approach to some of the you know, regular content, which is very successful that the club's already doing. And you find that younger audience is really what rights holders are after. Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, podcast listening is is interesting because it does attract 
a young audience and sports audio listening attracts a young male and female audience. So it's quite hard to reach audience, but, um, you know, in other media. So it, it lends itself very well to that. But equally, um, the sort of spectrum of people that will listen to podcasts cover all age groups. So it, it does depend on the sport. You know, we've done stuff for golf where you might be targeting a slightly older audience. We've done stuff with basketball. We're about to do something really exciting with a global rights holder that is targeting a very young audience, but key markets are South America and the UK. So we'll be taking a slightly different approach to each market. Okay. And, and what kind of different strategies do you find for rights holders with a podcast? Do you find um, it tends to be just standalone almost, or is it kind of tied specifically to the competition after every game week, or even to a social campaign or a TV show or something, or a YouTube show? Digital and audio work very very well together and um if you're creating an audio strategy you need to use digital to promote the product and drive the ears to it so we always advocate using digital as a discoverability tool so hence we'll often work very closely with the digital teams um it tends to sit quite separately from video and tv because as you said we're not trying to recreate something that's already there we're trying to create something different do you ever find the rights holder coming to you saying, well, basically we've had no podcasts, but we've had absolutely nothing up to this point, kind of go from square one. And if they do, kind of what would be your process for someone who's done none of this before, basically? There's a surprisingly high number who haven't, and that's <laughs> fantastic for us because that's the opportunity that we saw and that's why we're so keen to do it. So I think, again, if you, if you take the Premier League, I think only half of Premier League clubs have got a podcast and some of those have lapsed because they've done them you know, perhaps not as a priority. It's been given to someone in the digital team who maybe doesn't have the skills. And that's that's difficult because it is a very distinct skill. So often we are starting completely from scratch. And yeah, usually it, you know, part of our job is to explain the process, how audio works, you know, what kind of expectations they should have, because it takes time to build an audience. Um, you know, say the discoverability and marketing of that podcast is really important but also the distribution so we can take care of all the hosting distribution pushing it out to you know Spotify Apple Google all the different platforms but also making sure that we work with their digital teams so that they put that audio on their app and their website and they promote it you know across all of their channels to get the most ears on it but it the, the creative process doesn't really differ whether they've done audio or not because it's all about coming up with the great idea you may have a slightly different approach for an event because it's, you know, a finite period of, of time. And so you're trying to build an audience fairly quickly, potentially pre-event. So you might start releasing episodes in the build-up to something and we're working on a, a big event this autumn. But then in event, we're going to do some live podcasts as well, actually in the arena, as well as, you know, the ones that will be released in advance. So you kind of mix up the strategy to a certain extent whereas if you're a kind of week in week out sport then we would advocate longevity and having regular episodes and ideally at least every two weeks because if you start to uh, have gaps in your audio the audience will drop off and the and the feed will drop off be where your fans are you need to own that space because fans are listening to audio they're listening uh, you know there was an offcom stat that said 40 percent of 
uh, podcast listening is to sport audio. But what's happening is a lot of rights holders are allowing unofficial sources to own that space and grab that audience. So there's lots and lots of great sport podcasts, but they aren't rights holder official content. So grab that audience yourself. Um, The whole attention and engagement that it offers means you can build a really strong relationship with your fans. The commercial opportunity, so it gives a rights holder new commercial inventory, which means they can either work with their existing partners on that, or they can bring in completely new partners who might not be able to afford some of their bigger rights opportunities. So it's a way of working with those partners. Um, We've had briefs for accessibility, so bringing audio to people that can't necessarily watch video. Um, And, you know, a whole load of other benefits, like audio is very quick to produce. It's, you know, it's fast turnaround times. It can be recorded remotely, you know, um, and it's often cheaper than other forms of media. So it's got loads and loads of benefits. And then the, the, probably the final one is data as well. You know, wherever possible, we'll build in opportunity for data capture and particularly for, for those rights holders that have apps, uh, you know, they can get more data on their fans. Have you seen any, or worked on, I guess, as well for yourselves, but any particularly good examples of how podcasts have been used really well by rights holders? One is the F1 Beyond the Grid. So we didn't work on it uh, because it's been going a while. Uh, But it's a great example of a rights holder thinking about starting with the audience. And the whole premise of that podcast is not repeating anything that they do elsewhere. And it's driver access. And even things like, you know, I was told that, a lot of the, the drivers don't want to do TV or video when they're all hot and sweaty and they've just got out of the car, but they will do audio. So sometimes it, audio can give you an opportunity to get athletes to do something in a particular moment. Um, we've, you know, we had examples of that. We worked with Paralympics GB and we're doing their official podcast. So when athletes are in the Olympic village, which they were for the winter Olympics earlier this year, they've got time in between training and that's a great time for us to access them and get them on podcasts. So I think, but Beyond the Grid is a, a brilliant example of a really well executed podcast and it's delivering a huge audience. I think football wise, Man United have done it very well. They've got a massive back catalogue of history, of players, managers, you know, really interesting characters that they've got access to. So they've gone the evergreen documentary style route, which again, so many rights holders have that back catalogue of content that they could bring to life through audio. So a lot of the work that we do will be that style of, of content as well. On the other side, have you seen any kind of common mistakes being made? The biggest mistake that we see is giving audio to people that maybe their, their job is video and they're incredibly different skills. They're incredibly different skills. Anyone can make audio, but not anyone can make great audio. And so that's what we do unashamedly. We've got a team of people that have worked in audio for years. And so the mistakes that I've seen are official podcast. Well, they're, they're official podcasts, but they're just very dull. Yeah, you know, they're just, it's almost like they've put two people in a room with a microphone and haven't really thought about the medium or you know what's going to excite the fans. It's it's almost like it, 
a tick box box exercise. So there have been quite a few podcasts I think have, that have launched and then just lapsed because they didn't get the audience. Um, or the other mistake is the content's okay, but there's no marketing and discoverability strategy behind them. What would you be your your main tip to a rights holder trying to start a podcast? What should be the first thing they do or the most important thing they do? Start with their overall marketing strategy and comms strategy. So start with the purpose. Why are they doing it? What do they want to achieve from doing it? And then work with creatively with somebody that can help them bring the concept to life um, and, you know, and bring the whole project together because we've seen it time and time again, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. And within the rights holders that we work with, they're often very, you know, very tight teams of people that are very, very busy and don't always have the time for this. So, you know, it's work with somebody that's an expert in their field is what I would say. Thanks for your time, Sophie. Thank you very much. That's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadcast Sport Podcast. We'll have more soon. So subscribe now and we'll see you on the next one.